0: So, today I have a very special guest on the show with me, Nilo Van Steinberg, who is going to talk to us today about his UVic Vegan Association that he started at um, the University of Victoria. And um, we're going to hear about some other things he's been up to. Welcome to the show, Nilo. It's great to have you on.
1: Well, thank you very much for inviting me, Elizabeth.
0: It's great to have you here. So as you know or as you may know Nilo, I really wanted to start a group at my um at my university and I know other people um have have been trying to do the same kinds of things. And um one of the reasons why I asked you on is because you had such success with your group. And um, I just really wanted you to just share your experiences, um, especially with combating the prevalent welfare um, advocacy that people really want to do, the default position. So first of all, um, are you still studying?
1: Uh, No, actually, I have uh, graduated in 2005, but I'm still involved with the group.
0: Okay, fantastic. So, why don't you tell us how it got started? Because back in two thousand five, were you you were vegan, obviously. Yeah. And you were had you learned about the abolitionist approach to animal rights?
1: Uh, no, actually, I hadn't learned about that until last couple of years.
0: Until the last couple of years. Okay, so that's interesting. So, you probably had to transform the group a little bit. So, why don't you tell us how how the group got started? What did you do in the beginning?
1: Well, basically, uh, I was at the University of Victoria as a vegan taking engineering, and uh, I'm not sure if you know many engineering students or engineers, but they're, I don't know, I don't think of many vegans being in that kind of demographic, but I knew four vegans in the engineering department alone, and I figured if I know four other vegans in engineering, there's got to be tons at the university, but there was no group. And so after thinking about it for a while, I decided there's got to be a vegan group on campus. And I started it in early 2003.
0: Fantastic. So what was the original motivation? Was it to do advocacy or was it just to connect and have, have like-minded people, you know?
1: Well, uh, I'm not sure how much you remember of my background, but my initial uh, years as a vegan were pretty undirected and I didn't have a lot of good, uh, um, I guess, role models at that time. And so I was just looking to meet more vegans, and so the Uvic Vegan Association served that role to basically get vegans together, talk about veganism, and explore it together, and maybe have the usual potluck. You you know.
0: Yeah, and that, and I think that's very important. I mean, that's partly what I wanted to do as well. You know, we, you know, it's it's even just we want to we want to be able to go out and have a nice meal and stuff like that without having to um, you know worry about. Uh, whether or not we can really trust what's in the food, even though they say, you know, so it is a very important aspect of it, and I think all groups do have that kind of aspect. They get together and they they have fun together. They party together because they party vegan, and that's how we want to party. So um, yeah, um, okay. And so in the beginning, did you find that people were really open to it? Um, what 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 can you just like, especially for me, like because I'm I'm not very good at this. Um, like getting like sort of organizing stuff like did you just like put out is, is there a lot of groups at your college and you joined in with that sort of with the with the methods that are already in place in other words are there is there already a website for groups and there's already like organizations and meeting rooms and things or did you just like put up flyers and say hey contact me if you're vegan or if you're interested in veganism
1: well, actually, it was quite easy. The um, the university has a student society like most universities do, and they have their own uh, program for clubs. And at the beginning of every semester, they have what's called Clubs Days. And if you want to form a club, you basically get permission to go to this Clubs Days, set up a table, and get people to sign up for it. And so that part of it was actually quite easy and painless.
0: See, I, I had that too, and I did that too. And I got people to sign, but... um. Then none of them ever responded to any of my emails after that. <laughs> okay, so you got a bunch of people to sign and then um, how did you arrange the like did you have meetings? like did you say, okay, did you email everybody and say, okay, you guys all want to be in this club um, and uh, we're going to meet in such and such a place at such and such a time?
1: Uh, basically uh, it, it's it, it, you really have to read uh, the people that are involved and what they're looking to do. Um, and, of course, if I was to do it all over again, I'd be doing it a lot differently because of what I've learned since then as a vegan and as an abolitionist.
0: Oh, how, you'll have to go into that later. I'd like to know what, what, yeah. you, what you mean by that. Um, okay, so sorry to interrupt you. Um, you have to read the people. You mean, like, to see whether they're serious or?
1: Well, stuff like that. Like, uh, So it, it always helps to have a meeting at the beginning and just to get your bearings and see what everybody's interested in. Um, and so whether that's meeting, uh, at a potluck or, or meeting in a room and getting together, um, as a new club, what we had to do is meet together and, uh, vote in our constitution and, and stuff like that. So it was kind of an excuse to get together and anybody who was interested in the club obviously would show up. Um, and then, and then you gauge it from there and try to guide it. But of course it, it can be quite a bit more difficult. Like I said, if I was to do it differently or do it again, i 'm um, not sure how it would go because um as abolitionists, uh, we have a lot of uh adversity, i guess you could say nowadays with the prevalence of the welfare welfare organizations that are posing as animal rights groups
0: oh absolutely and um are you trying to say that, in other words like you back then you were you were looking to meet up with people you weren 't an abolitionist um you hadn 't really heard the philosophy, and so if people showed up with, you know, supporting Peter or saying, "Oh, hey, let's hand out these flyers and stuff," it was all kind of like, "Yeah, you know, we're all vegans and we're all going to do this thing." And so you think that you got, because um, I know you'd get more people that way. I mean, I know if I said vegetarian slash vegan, or if I was like, if I tried to get involved with, you know, safe and allow them to promote their stuff, I know I'd get more people. But I don't want to do that. Um, is that what you're saying that you would do it now, you'd go straight with an abolitionist message from the beginning and just take the few people that you could get from that and grow from there. Cause that's what I'm, that's what I'm planning to do. And... Yeah,
1: exactly. Because, um, like sure, uh, by softening or whatever you want to call it the message, you could get more people, but does that really, uh, make any progress? And I, I would argue that you don't. Um, like I, I've, this club has been in existence for eight years and if i look back at what it's accomplished uh... for the first six years of it potlucks and so big deal right and uh... and so like as hard as it can be to have less people being interested, I think you actually make more of an impact by trying to keep the message ethically consistent.
0: I absolutely agree with you, and that's why I'm not fazed by that. You know, um, I absolutely agree. Now, um, I I do find that a lot of people – Just want to get together, they just want to eat vegan food together, and they just want to relax, and they don't want to do advocacy. So for people who just don't want to do it, I think potlucks, you know, are a good place. And and I'm not saying people who, and people who do do advocacy should also be able to go to those potlucks and enjoy themselves. But for people who are dedicated to do advocacy, there's only one kind of advocacy that I want to do. And so I'm happy to work with a smaller group that's doing that rather than a bigger group. That's really not, that's really promoting the, you know, just sort of like doing the default welfare position, because as we agree, it doesn't, it doesn't help animals. Um, So I I totally agree with you there. And I'm sure the potlucks were great. Now, when you can you just sort of let us know, like, I'm sure that there was a bit of a it was a bit of a boat rocker when you came back, because were you like the president of the club?
1: Uh, sort of. Uh, the way we formed the club, uh, we decided not really to have any uh, hierarchical positions like that. So everybody who is involved with the club is just a UVA director. Awesome. And yeah, and uh, th- there's pros and cons to it because like sometimes when you try to do stuff by committee, it's hard to say who's doing what. But uh, as long as somebody is uh, keeping on top of things and making sure what needs to be done is getting done um but uh i've i've been involved with the club for most of it. There was a period of time in the middle where i wasn't involved with uh, much of anything for various reasons and then I came back a couple of years ago with renewed drive to do some advocacy and I met a uh new advocate who's an abolitionist uh vegan and I call him my abolitionist mom because he introduced me to abolitionist abolitionism. And that's uh, Joe Furon. I'm not sure if you've seen him on the uh, forum. But... I
0: have seen him on the forum. He's great.
1: Yeah, he, he's super awesome. And so when he started getting involved and I was getting reinvolved, then we, we wanted to drive the club in a very consistent, ethically consistent direction. And, there, yeah, it was, it was definitely a transition period to be had. And, uh, but we're essentially through that and just uh, plugging on. down the road that's
0: fantastic okay for people like me who who i look up to people like you and what you've accomplished with this group i'm sure it was difficult in some ways but um how did you get through that because i know it must have been in some ways difficult at least going by my experience
1: yeah well uh there there's when it comes down to it there's not an awful lot of people that drive the uvic vegan association like there's whenever you have any sort of a uh, group like that, there's always a core group of individuals who are running the show. And so it wasn't like we had to convert the entire club of 400 plus members into abolitionism. They either get involved with the events we put on or they don't. Um, and so at, when when uh, we started to change the direction, it wasn't so much that we came in, Joe and I, Joey, Uh, came in and said, okay, this is what we're going to do. It's just like this is what we're interested in doing and we're going to do it. And since we were the ones doing stuff and organizing stuff, that's what got done. And then at some point we decided to talk about what direction the club truly should be going in. And that's when it really kind of started to get a bit rocky is when we're trying to uh, kind of figure out what we should be doing as an animal rights uh, activist club.
0: Okay. When you say Rocky, were there people who were opposed, who were wanting to promote welfare reforms and things?
1: Essentially, like uh, uh, there was a little bit of um, resistance to completely shut out uh, any sort of campaign that does not, uh, well, in essence, fit the abolitionist approach, but what I, I basically say, eth- ethically consistent, um, because if you're promoting... Or uh, if you're doing an anti-fur, as you know, that's uh, what Gary Francione calls a single-issue campaign and is potentially quite damaging to the animal rights movement. So uh, it just didn't make sense for an animal rights group to engage in any sort of inconsistent or even speciesist uh, activity.
0: I agree, and that that 's the thing is that um, I think that people and maybe you can give me some advice because you 've got over four hundred members now in this vegan in this vegan group
1: sort of like I, I say that with a smile because uh, to to become part of a club at the university, you put down your email address and all of a sudden you 're a member there's there's no really there's no requirement to that, so we have an email list, a uh, subscriber list and plus a Facebook group and basically to be considered a member of the UVA, you just have to be on the list and um, it's not restricted to students like, hey, if you want to be a member of the UVA, you are as of this moment.
0: Well, that's cool though. That's cool because you've got a whole bunch of people who are getting the information. And you really can't force them to to either stop doing what they're doing individually or force them to come and join you. But at the very least, they're getting your consistent, ethically consistent message. And they're part of a club that's run and whose pretty much only campaigns, it sounds to me, are you guys are doing it, are ethically consistent. Now, what would you do if, say, a bunch of people got together and were like, we're going to represent the UVic – oh, sorry, we're going to represent the UVA and – but we're going to put, do an anti fur thing, and we're going to do it as UVA. What, what, I mean, does that ever does that thing ever come up, or do people not do try to do that? Because I'd be worried about that, you know.
1: Yeah, that that's definitely a concern. Um, it wouldn't. I can't see that really happening with the UVA because um, as as many people as we have on our email list are the attendance for our events ranges from very few to. To a bunch, and and the people that are generally involved, they 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 feel uh, they like to take part in events, but they're not necessarily interested in organizing events. And so, um, like we we had when when we started to convert to a more abolitionist uh, approach to activism, uh, we did lose uh, uh, one director in particular, and it was just uh, basically a matter of um, going our separate ways. And so this one individual created their own club at the university and they're still doing what they want to do. And so hopefully if ever somebody else wants to do something like that, they won't take a club that's decided to be like, it's now ingrained in our mission, vision statement and so forth that we don't want to engage in that sort of stuff. So my hope is that they would just go their
0: own way yeah no that sounds like you're doing you know that this is a real to me this is a real success story because you've um you've made it happen and I also believe that because I think one of the reasons why my club never happened well I never dedicated enough time and effort to it um as I could have but you're absolutely right a lot of people and myself included back in the day until I realized I had no other choice they really don't want to organize things and stuff like that but they'll they'll jump on in if it's all there if you lay it out for them and say okay we're having this event we need you to bring these pamphlets can you please do that and that's how you can help us and they say yeah great and then they show up and you take care of all the logistics and you take you actually will have a lot more people who are willing to help as long as you're willing to do all the planning and stuff like that um, because I think that's why a lot of people get involved in these other groups because they do want to do stuff but they don't really know where to, what to do they don't really know how to get started and all this other advocacy and these major organizations are so well established they've gotten m- Plans in place. They know the venues. They they have the materials. And so people are like, oh, it's easy. I just, they, they just give me a task and I do it. And I found that when I did my university group, the website, the introduction about us was kind of like, I was kind of like saying to people, come along and we can all talk about how we're going to do this. Because I really didn't have anything in place. Like I want to do this and I need people to do that. I was like, I need ideas, you know, and I'm realizing now that we're going to have to put it together and we're going to have to ask people to do specific tasks. And that's the only way that we're really probably going to get the ball rolling is if we say we're going to do this on this day, we need this to be done, we need that job, we need that job, who wants to help us? And then people will say, I'll do it. And then it's like, they don't actually have to think.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly exactly it. And it's not to disparage people in general, but people have their different priorities like people like you and me we put a focus on our activism um, but not a lot of people really like to be activists like if you look at uh... sweatshop labor how many people are actively uh... campaigning against that in our lives and and so these sorts of things people they they believe in or they they could see that they're bad or wrong or whatever, but they just don't make it a priority in their lives to campaign against it. And so in attracting people to these clubs, it's good to keep in mind that uh, a lot of them, they just want to be told what to do or just told where to go and have fun and be involved.
0: Yeah, I agree now. And it's not disparaging at all. And like I say, you know, I, um, I've, I'm realizing now that, um, if like myself and William, we're willing to, um, do the organization and stuff like that um, because we realise that um, if we don't do it, nobody else will. And you know what What happens in the street a lot is like we'll be sitting there with our table and it's really nice. People will walk past and they'll say, good on you. I'll say, oh, yeah. that's so great. And I'm thinking, you could do it too. <laughs> yeah. But at least it's nice to get that support. It's nice to get people walking past and saying that. And if And I know that those same people, I would imagine if we did have a flyer up saying, Talk on um, animal rights and veganism, food offered and and music and stuff. They would come and they would support. And so those are the people you you know what I'm saying. So it's not. I mean I don't expect everybody to um, to do it. I can't because then it won't get done. And you know some people have other things going on in their lives that like you say they prioritize. Maybe they have a sick family member or maybe they're maybe they play sports or maybe they play music and that's their focus of their life. But as long yeah. as they're vegan, I'm just like be yeah, exactly. vegan. So I'm really inspired by this. So I think that you've, I mean, I kind of came to that conclusion already, um, I realized when I looked at, like, if, because I I don't want to be a leader. I don't want to be, like, the president or anything like that. I I like the way you're doing things. And I'm glad that you've come up with that idea. It's like, everybody's a director. We all do stuff. I like that idea. And the stuff that we're doing is stuff that anybody can do. But I have had another person tell me who is a, she is not an abolitionist. And she has, um, we've had some discussions about it, but she's been always mostly polite and She's like, look, you know, you have to compromise. She said, This is one thing I've learned from what I'm doing. She's like, You got to compromise. And I'm like, I will compromise on tasking, I'll compromise on workload, I'll delegate, but I'm not compromising on the ethics. So forget it. Exactly. I'm not. I'm not gonna compromise that's the compromise you're talking about, I ain't doing it. And then they kinda like, Well, it's just it's just you, you know, what good is that? And I'm like, oh, it's it's actually it's better than f- twenty five people promoting welfare. That's for sure. So.
1: Yeah. To, to me, that's just lazy. And uh, again, I, I don't mean to be insulting or anything to this person, but it's very easy to be stuck in what's basically an unimaginative viewpoint and say that in order to compromise, you have to water down the ethical message. Like you pointed out, there are many other ways to compromise and make it easier for people to get involved without having to water down the ethics.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I'm all for grouping. I'm all for supporting people. I'm all for you know s- solidarity, but. I'm not going to support people who are promoting what I consider to be um, speciesism and to be hurting at the, you know, so I won't do that. I mean, you know, I'm like, I'll support vegan advocacy. If you do vegan advocacy, I've got your back. I will support you 100%. I'll buy the products. I'll give my time. But, you know, don't ask me to compromise on anything else. And that's what people are missing. And then it's like, well, it's your way or the highway. And I'm thinking, it's not my way. You know, it's... Anyway, um, so any any other advice, Nilo? I'm starting the um, Auckland Abolitionist Vegans Association, and I put abolitionist in the name because I want to be upfront about it, and and I, I want yeah. people to know right from the beginning. You mentioned you have a mission statement.
1: Yeah, uh, well, we I've been pretty lucky, or the basically the club's been pretty pretty lucky in the last couple of years since that transition. We've had a lot of committed. Uh, Similar thinking directors involved, and by a lot, I mean around six or seven and uh, and so we've we've been working together for a couple of years now and Last year in the springtime, we decided to have a brainstorm session on uh, what exactly the club stood for, and so we brainstormed on our vision statement and our mission and our values just to kind of have that founding foundation for what we're doing
0: that's awesome so that means that anybody who subscribes to your club can that they'll be taken to this and then they can read that and then they can see okay this is what i'm subscribing to this is what this club is about and there's no, no doubt there can't be any i mean i want to do the same thing um I want to see if I can just copy and paste um, (laughs) Carrie's one, the abolitionist approach one. I mean, it's perfect. Ah. I mean, I can't, I don't see why I should change anything. I I mean, I would would credit him. I would say this, my mission statement is the same as that one. I mean, I don't care if people try to say it's a cult. That's a stupid thing to say, you know? So anyway, I'm going to work on that, um, that um, mission statement because I do want people to, I want people to know that. And, um, Creative nonviolent vegan advocacy is going to be like this is what we do, and then what is that, and why that, and then that will be a little bit more of a brief outline. And um, so, can you give me an idea of what activities you guys do on on a given weekend, or on a given event, or or time of year?
1: Um, so uh, the, our the new semester is starting for the our spring semester. So what we usually do to start off the semester is have a free pancake brunch after shortly after clubs days. And that's on a Saturday morning. And, uh, for obvious reasons, that's our most uh, popular event. <laughs> uh, Sarah, Sarah and I like to host that at our house, which is not too far from the university. Um, and, uh, we just, Sarah and I love flinging the pancakes. So, oh, good uh, one. yeah, we, uh, we can bake or cook up to uh, 150 pancakes in one day. It's pretty crazy. Wow. Uh, and then throughout the semester, we do a number of events. Like we like to lead up uh, quite uh, pretty quickly with uh, our main info session, which is Introduction to Veganism. And uh, that basically focuses on the humane treatment principle and why everybody believes that it's wrong to cause unnecessary harm. To animals, yet we don't really live that belief in our everyday lives, and uh, that's been a fairly, I think, a fairly good presentation that we've been giving every semester.
0: That sounds fantastic. So, what do you do? Do you give it at the university? You book a hall? How do you organize that?
1: Yeah, the university, as a university club, we have access to uh, classrooms that we can book and we can like I have my own projector we bring in the projector to use for the presentations and uh and so we could use the university for these things or we have a bit of a uh re- a relationship with a fellow who runs a vegan restaurant downtown and there's room there for us to do events there as well.
0: Oh, that's amazing. And so then do you put flyers up through the university on the bulletin boards? Do you stand and hand flyers out and also how else do you spread the word about the event?
1: Yeah, the the marketing side of it is uh pretty tricky and I'm definitely not a marketer, so Me uh but we, we basically, of course, we um, use email announcements. Uh, Facebook event pages have been pretty useful. There's The university also has a, an events calendar that it has on its website, and we post on that, and it's brought some people out. Uh, we also do posters from time to time and uh, send out messages to list serves and stuff like that.
0: Oh, that's, heart- that's heartening to me that you're getting it out a lot of it digitally because... Um, when you do, when you're doing it with posters and things, it's really it can get expensive and, um, and also it can be really time consuming cause you have to go around and pin them all up. So it's good to know that you can reach a lot of people through the Facebook page and things. I mean, I think, I mean, I do want to start a Facebook page, but I still, I still want to stick up flyers and stuff, um, around the place, um, in the street and stuff like that. Um, but it'll just be me and William doing it. So, um, we'll just stick them up like wherever we can. Um, I just, Mm -hmm. even if I get one person that way, but I would probably spend a lot more time trying to get an email list together. I think that's a great idea. Um, Okay. And then you give a presentation. And so then do you open the floor up to questions or do people just sort of watch everything? You give them information, then they leave or how do you sort of get the contact to find out what, how they took the information?
1: Yeah, it's really important with all of our events to have that uh, interaction with the people who come to attend them. And so with this, uh, what uh, I call our flagship presentation, Veganism 101, we uh, present to the uh, audience, and then at the end, we open it up for questions. And uh, I'm not sure if you've done much public speaking, but some days you can get absolutely zero questions, and some days you could get a dozen questions. And so, Uh, for those days when people seem resistant for questions and the presenters uh, may bring up possible questions to answer themselves or we might have like fellow directors in the audience they'll say well what about this Uh, and just to get the ball rolling
0: okay that's cool oh I just I just love this kind of stuff it's stuff that I really really want to do and um, I'm getting a lot of inspiration from it and um so do you find a lot of non-vegans coming to your events or is it mostly other vegans?
1: Uh, we actually have a fair number of non-vegans that come to our events, which is great. Um, every so often we get a vegetarian and sometimes we market events strictly for vegetarians. Like we took our Veganism 101 presentation, tweaked it a bit and called it Why Vegetarian? And, oh, uh,
0: interesting. And how did that go?
1: It it went just as well as it normally goes. Um, we we tried it once last year, like that, and uh, and the idea being, well, if you're vegetarian, why are you vegetarian? And if it's for ethical reasons, well, we've got some information for you.
0: Oh, that's really yeah. cool. That's a really good yeah. idea. Um, yeah. And what's it like where you live? Is there a lot of vegan restaurants there? And there vegan clothing stores? Or how's it
1: how's it where you live? Uh, well, I feel we're pretty lucky. We have two restaurants that are completely vegan and, uh, they're both great restaurants. I love them both. Um, and, uh, Victoria is pretty progressive and pretty hippie ish. It's kind of like Boulder, Colorado. If you know that town at all, it's kind of a little bit like the affluent hippie area. Um, but also a lot of the less affluent hippies, I guess you could say as well. Um, Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that there are uh, a lot of alternatives uh, out there for purchasing uh, vegan products.
0: That's really good. Well, we're kind of going backwards here, but... um... Can you tell us a little bit about your um how long you've been vegan yourself just for listeners um like what was your usually I ask people what their journey to veganism is but I just really really wanted to hear about your group that you've been going um and also um you're going to start a podcast and you have a blog so um just tell us a little bit about is there is there anything you want to share about about going vegan and, and then maybe learning about the abolition abolitionist approach is there
1: Sure Um, So I uh, went vegan in the summer of 2000. And uh, the reason why that happened is I moved into a house here in Victoria with a bunch of other engineering students, and one of them happened to be vegan. And that was the first time I was confronted with the the idea that there's uh, people out there that are not using animals. And uh, so after a short while, I started asking this fellow fellow questions and he answered them and that night I decided to go vegan um, and so I have, I definitely thank my, I call him my vegan mom, Jay Walls and uh, I thank him for uh, introducing me to veganism and uh, and other than that though I didn't have a lot of, uh, like I said, vegan role models at the time and so it was really, um I don't. I kind of call it a, a shallow uh, version of veganism, where it. I didn't really have a solid understanding of animal rights itself. I just knew that it was bad to uh, use animal products or purchase animal products. So I'd I'd have to say I was still quite speciesist at the time. Um, and, but I, I like I said I, I I avoided all animal products. Not like I was uh wishy-washy or honey on honey or anything like that
0: okay so that's really interesting so the guy who spoke to you about it he was a vegan but he was not an activist and he was definitely not an abolitionist but he definitely when he spoke to you about veganism he didn't say go vegetarian first or he didn't say buy happy meat he said i'm vegan because i think it's wrong to eat animal products and use animal products and i don't use any animal products and um and he, even though it, as a, he wasn't a, any kind of advocate, he was just a guy who just was very firm and was honest is that would that would be how you class it uh
1: essentially he he wasn't like he he was a bit of an advocate he he was actually um uh in a uh hard rock band or heavy metal band, and he would hand out vegan literature whenever he could uh, so he was a bit of an activist. But um, it's not like he was, uh, from what I know, that he was organizing events like like uh, I w- I've been doing or anything like that. So he had his own form of activism.
0: I mean, I just – I'm trying to get the point here is that a lot of people say that, you know, vegans should be like – I don't know. I'm just like – here's another example of somebody who met a vegan who was honest about veganism and then you went vegan and you didn't even go vegetarian. Were you vegetarian at the time?
1: Uh, No, I was full on omnivore.
0: Yeah, that's why I tell other vegans. It's like, look, you don't have to be an activist. You don't have to organize. You don't have to even be in a hard rock band and give out, you know, veganism. But if anybody asks you about your veganism, be honest and say it's animal use, and then leave it. You know, you can't force people. You know, everybody's like, you can't force people to change, and I'm like, duh, we get it but it's it's you yeah. can you can control what you do. You can control what you tell them. You're in control of what comes out of your mouth and that's the, your responsibility. What they do with it is sadly beyond our control. But if you learn how to, you know, be honest and consistent, you will see the the results and that's why I'm trying to get people to be responsible. You know, the first like with that that change, you know, be the change you want to see in the world and do, you know, as a vegan, you have an obligation to be honest and to be and to not compromise when you're talking to people because that you can control. So you can't, there's no excuses for not doing that. There's no excuses for not doing that. You can't use the other person as an excuse, you know. So I'm really just, I love hearing stories about people who just met a vegan and then they went vegan because they saw this was like a living example. It is like, that's why Gary Francione says it's the best form of activism there is is to be, you know, vegan and be an honest vegan and not back down when you're talking to people. And you don't have to be, you know, you just be honest with them. And, and, oh, I just, I really love hearing stories like that, you know. And look what happens now. You're actually an amazing advocate, you know.
1: Yeah, if he had talked to me about happy meat or free-range eggs, I probably wouldn't even bother with that. But... uh yeah I wouldn't have gone vegan, and so I'm very thankful that he just sat me down and he politely answered my questions, but he did not compromise his message at all,
0: yeah, and that's so important and it's not about um being rude or or being um anyway, you know I don't need to tell you nilo what what yeah. people say it's almost like a fantasy now the more I hear it, I'm like no no the this the people can't still be believing this, surely, <laughs> but we've really we've really only just, just gotten started. Um, okay, and then how did you find out about um, the abolitionist approach?
1: Uh, well, like I said, um, my abolitionist mom, Joey, introduced it to me uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, that's when he uh, also started introducing me to Gary Francione's work, and uh, it just – the even though I didn't have that direction as a young vegan, I still didn't feel right about what PETA was doing. And I didn't feel right about the promotion of free-range eggs, which was a big campaign near here. And uh, and so when I was introduced to this clear and very, to me, very easy to understand message of what uh, we owe to the animals, it's not a matter of being compassionate, it's a matter of fundamental justice, it just really rang true with me and uh and so for the last couple of years i've slowly kind of uh like more identified myself as an abolitionist and uh and really uh gone along that means of activism
0: yeah fantastic um, i 've seen your work around the place and your comments that you make, and I always appreciate it when you jump in and, and back us up there and um, the you know when we 're having discussions with people so could you please plug everything that you 've talked about before we forget um, your you know any websites that you want to plug and, and and tell us where we can find the you know anybody living in Victoria who's listening you know but on the off chance how they can perhaps even come to events like I'm assuming that if you do have external events outside the university, it's not limited to just university students. Is that right?
1: Yeah, it's open to everybody. Like we we make an effort to involve the general community as much as possible.
0: Fantastic. So how can people find out more about the UVic um, Vegans Association?
1: Uh, well, uh, I guess the two main ways to do that is just to email us. And we have an email address, which is uvacontact at gmail.com. And the other means is to find us on Facebook. If you search for the UVic Vegan Association, we have a group on Facebook that you can join or message us on. And that would those are probably be the two main ways to get a hold of us.
0: Fantastic, and I'll put, I'll put links um, to both of those on this blog notes. Now, Nilo, I know that you are branching out into a little more um, uh, individual activism, and you are, you are thinking of doing a podcast.
1: Uh, yeah, um, I've been thinking about it for a while, and, and frankly, uh, I've been inspired, not, not at the, the least of which by your podcast, but by the other great abolitionist podcasts out there. And uh, so I've decided that I want to do my own podcast to supplement my personal advocacy.
0: That's fantastic. And you have a great voice. I, I just want to tell you that. So I really, really think that you should do it. And, um, and I love podcasting. And I just – because I really do believe in the power of the, of the voice. You know, radio is not dead. Don't, you know, don't believe the yeah. hype. So I'm just so grateful that you're going to do it now. So um, now I believe that you're going to set up a – you've set up a blog –
1: the blog where I'm gonna be uh putting my podcasts up on is called uh Seeking Nonspeciesism. And it's that title, Seeking speciesism at uh, or sorry, dot blogspot.com. And uh that's I, I might also have the occasional uh article that is just written because I'm quite comfortable writing and it's a lot quicker than well, at least at the moment than trying to get a podcast together. Uh, but I I do hope to get a bunch of podcasts going soon.
0: Oh, I can't wait! So, seekingnonspeciesism.blogspot.com is going to be the where the where the blog is, and then there'll be a podcast fueled by that blog. That is so totally awesome! I'm so grateful. Do you think that you would be able to get um, any of your other Like friends, like you talk about Joe who introduced you to abolition, do you think he would go on and talk with you? Do you think he'd be willing to do that kind of stuff? Well,
1: that's actually part of my plan with the blog is to involve a lot of community uh, input and interaction with the blog as well. And so I'd definitely definitely be looking at my close advocate uh, friends for that first.
0: Excellent. That's very, very exciting. Okay. Well, um, I'm very inspired by all of the accomplishments that you've had with this group and what you've been doing. And also your advice has been invaluable because I really needed to hear that. Just, I think we worry too much about what might happen and it's just like, just do it. And like you say, um... If you have a clear enough statement and you put the events together, the people who want to help will help and really great things can happen. So definitely anybody who lives in the area, go to the Facebook page because then you're going to find out about all the events that are going on. And um, I would advise subscribing as well because then you'd get email notifications. And then that way you won't miss out on anything. And a lot of them sound like a lot of fun. I mean, who doesn't love to eat pancakes? I mean, I love exactly. them, you know. And, um, and I think that the, um, the information night sounds really good. That's the kind of thing that we're wanting to do. So, so you actually have a video projector. You don't use a laptop. You actually hook up a projector with slides or do you project from a laptop?
1: Uh, Yeah, well, we use a laptop and uh, connect it to the projector and project onto a screen. project onto a screen, okay, because
0: that's what I want to do. Can you get, like, portable? Are they easy to get?
1: Uh, Well, it depends. Uh, Like, the university has projectors usually in the classrooms, just that without special permission, they charge you an arm and a leg, literally, to uh, uh, use that equipment. And so I have my own personal projector, which is quite easy to move around, and it's uh, relatively cheap as far as projectors go, but it was still several hundred dollars, so it's not exactly something every group can do. Um, and that's what I use for our presentations. I also use it for our film screenings and stuff like that.
0: Oh, so you do show films?
1: Uh, well, so our events, there's the info sessions where we have a number of info sessions. There's uh, like the free brunches and stuff. We have cooking classes, we have bake sales and we have film screenings and we, we try to do a variety of stuff and try new stuff every so often just to see what gets people involved.
0: That's that's a great idea. You do need to sort of I definitely know the food stuff, especially if it's free, you're gonna get people, but you really do wanna do more than that if you wanna be an advocate because otherwise you just get people coming along eating saying, Oh, that's great, that's great and then they don't really you know, you I I, I think that a lot of people just limit it to just you know, food events, whereas um, there needs to be something more after the food. When they're all full and hungry, then you can hit them with the animal rights message <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when their bellies are full and they feel replete. Um, okay, well, that sounds really great. So is there anything else that you want to talk about while I've got you on the show?
1: Well, I'll, I'll just uh, briefly mention that the UVic Vegan Association, in case it's helpful for you or anybody out there, we have three basic uh, – uh, tasks or goals that we set ourselves uh, on, on an ongoing basic basis. And one, of course, is to introduce people to veganism. That's number one. The second one is to support vegans and support new vegans. That's where stuff like the cooking classes come in. And then the third thing is to uh, raise money for uh, rescued animals or get involved with animal rescue work. And the the majority of our money and time for that goes towards Peaceful Prairie Sanctuary. And we, we feel those three categories really help us keep focused on uh, on stuff that is uh, effective.
0: That's definitely three top priorities. So how do you raise the money? Do you um, sell the food, like the vegan bake sales and things like that?
1: Yeah, uh, as, as a university club, we get a certain budget every year. Uh, it's not an awful lot, um, but it's enough to keep us going and have extra to donate towards Peaceful Prairie at the end of the year and we supplement that with money from bake sales uh, and anything else. Whenever we do an event, we like to keep it as accessible as possible, so we keep them free, but we do ask people, if they can, to donate money, and all that money they donate goes directly to the animals we sponsor at Peaceful Prairie.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Have you been out to Peaceful Prairie before?
1: Yes. I, uh, Sarah and I went uh, to Peaceful Prairie last May, and it was an amazing experience. Did you
0: write the story about Tolstoy? I did, yes. Do you want to tell us a little bit about him?
1: Uh, well, uh, Tolstoy is a goat that I met at Peaceful Prairie, and all the residents at Peaceful Prairie are so amazing and, like, they're individuals with unique personalities and it's just amazing to get to know them on any level and uh, Tolstoy was a goat that really stuck out for me because he's got these beautiful magnificent long horns but he's also quite old and very stiff from arthritis to the point that his rear legs basically couldn't bend and so he'd be hobbling along following the Uh, the other goats as they migrated around the lands looking for fresher grass or whatever they're looking for. And uh, he would just go at his own pace and not worry about it and eventually make it there. And I I know it's uh, hard for me to say what he's feeling or whatever, but compared to the other goats, he certainly wasn't making any sort of fuss. Uh, There is another really uh, great goat Um, Clarice and she was a young uh, female goat that hung around with Sarah and I and she actually came into our guest house at one point and she was very curious about us and staying around us but whenever the goat herd got too too far away she would let out this pathetic bleat and start running after them oh
0: she didn't want to be too far away from them yeah safety in numbers I would say yeah. Oh, that's that's really great. I just love everything that you're doing and so thank you so much for sharing all of that that you're doing and I'd love to have you back on, you know, and we can talk a little more and um you can just sort of let us know any um other things that are going on. Um I'll definitely be following your events um because I want to get inspiration from them. And if I need any advice, Nilo, I will be emailing you. <laughs> okay? Sure. Um, Email
1: or call me on Skype. Absolutely.
0: I definitely will. Well, you and Sarah have a lovely rest of the day. What time is it there?
1: Uh, it's 10 to 4 right now. 10 to 4
0: on Saturday? Yeah. Yeah, okay. It's, you guys are really far away from us. It's 12.50 on Sunday here. So it is really, it's about 21 hours difference, isn't it? Yeah. Oh well, Sunday's a beautiful day. <laughs> Just so you know, <laughs> it's going to be a great day.
1: I got lots to look forward to then.
0: Yeah, you do. Well, I'll be seeing you I'll be seeing you on the forum and, you know, obviously around the place, and I really do appreciate you coming on, Nilo, and thanks so much for everything that you're doing. And everybody, please um check out the links. I'm going to put them in the um blog notes. And um I'll speak to you again soon, Nilo.
1: Great, Elizabeth. Thanks a lot for having me on your show.
0: It was an absolute pleasure. I'll talk to you again soon. Bye.
1: Bye bye.